0: So, how are you doing on your New Year's resolutions? Did anybody anybody make them? Nobody made them. Okay, well, um, you're in the minority if you didn't make them. About three-quarters of the population makes New Year's resolutions. Um, And... uh, uh, you can imagine what the uh, what the reasons are. About fifty percent of people who make resolutions say that they do so because there's something about their health they want to change. They want to eliminate a bad habit, or they want to start exercising more, or whatever it is. They have health-related um, resolutions about uh, nearly that many are uh have to do with a relationship some kind of a uh a relationship that they want to improve or <clears throat> maybe a um a romantic relationship or something like that so relationship is another thing that people people have um uh, uh new year's resolutions and about about 30% are about money so nothing surprising about that we can imagine there's there's people uh, maybe we are those people who want to make those changes there's something in our life and we want it to change and so um so we make resolutions to to do better at those things but the problem is we don't we don't right um i i don't know about you some some people said they didn't make them but uh um if you did you may be struggling right now um according to one study 25% of people have failed in their resolution as of today, so the first, the end of the first week, they have failed in their resolution. And 80% fail by the middle of February. So very few people succeed at, at getting their um, resolutions to change their lives significantly for a long period of time. So they're not very effective. Resolutions aren't very effective, and that may be why some of the... Um, uh, more seasoned members of our congregation didn't say that they do. In fact, that's pretty typical. About uh, half of people from the Silent Generation do not make resolutions, um, and about sixty uh, percent of Boomers do, but ninety percent of Millennials make resolutions. So they haven't learned yet that it's hopeless. So, um, but they will learn in in due course. So, so, um, so. It's interesting that so many people, you know, three quarters of the public try to, try to change their lives by resolutions and, uh, hardly anybody succeeds and, uh, we fail so much that over time we, we kind of give up on resolutions. And so, so what I want to talk about is that problem, right? We want to change our life in some particular way or maybe group of ways, um, but we're not, we don't know how to do it or it, certainly we don't know, um, a way that 's effective so so um, the the question we 're going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks is we 're going to be looking at change uh, life change from a Christian point of view what does what does the Christian faith have to say about changing our lives and does it even say it 's possible and if so, does it give us any idea about how we can how we can do it how we can change our lives and um, <clears throat> the the short answer we're going to take several weeks to look at this, but the short answer I can give you in a nutshell it is yes. We believe that that change is possible, um, and we believe um, that the way that the world does it, the the new year's resolution the the self denial is not the right way that you know if you think about your resolution, I'm going to stop doing this right I'm going to stop sitting on the couch, I'm going to go out and get some exercise, whatever it is, right. Whatever it is, if it's self-denial, I'm going to stop doing this, I'm not going to eat the, the, the marshmallow, then that's the way the world does it, and that's not the way Christian Christianity uh, proposes change. What what? In fact, in the, the reading we're going to look at today, Paul specifically, right before the passage we're going to look at, he specifically says, no, that's not the way. It's not about self-denial. It's not about willpower or white-knuckling your way through life. It is, it is completely different. So, so uh that is that is maybe good news but it's also bad news if you're not a Christian if you don't know yet what you believe about Jesus um, this is not something for you you're welcome to to listen and uh maybe you can file this away because maybe sometime you'll be like those uh boomers who got tired of doing resolutions and you'll be ready to try something different so it is something that is available but it's only available to Christians so um that's what I want to Talk about today is we're just gonna we're just gonna kind of set the table. We're gonna be looking at this in detail over the next several weeks, but but today we're just going to get the basic um, lay of the land from from the apostle Paul as he talks about this. So so what is the what is what is the Christian way? If it's not self denial, what is it? And he says um, that uh, it is to um, to live as part of the new creation, to put away um, the things of the old creation and to take up the things of the new creation. So he says, "Live as part of the new creation." So, what does he mean by that? Um, so, the the big idea in in Christianity is that Jesus has has um, has uh, inaugurated the age that is coming. There's this idea in in Christianity that there's the current age with all of its problems, and then there's the the future age, the golden age, the the age where there aren't those problems. So. Uh, that age is now breaking into our current age that what Jesus did on the cross and in in uh, rising from the grave Jesus has uh, has enabled the new creation to break into the old creation, and one of the places it breaks in is in us in people so so if you are a Christian, Paul says you are a new creature, you are part of that new creation, and that 's why he begins in um, as we pick up things up in Um, chapter three, he says, chapter three of Colossians, he says, he says, therefore, if you were raised, so since you were raised, since you are now part of that new creation, so if you were raised with Christ, look for the things that are above where Christ is sitting at God's right hand. So think about higher things. Think about the things that are above. Think about the the kind of things that will characterize the age that is coming. When Jesus returns, when Jesus um, uh, brings to a completion, the 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 establishment of that new coming age. He says, think about the things above and not things on earth. Why? Because you died, the old you died, and your life, your new life, is hidden with Christ in God. So you have become part of the new creation. You are a new creature. The old you is dead, and the new you is hidden with Christ in God. He says, when Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. So, the, the idea here is that you can, you can set your mind on the reality that, that, uh, Christianity affirms. That if you're a follower of Jesus, if you have been, um, uh, made new, if you are a new creature, these things are available to you. The, the, the idea is that Christianity is not a list of Good advice. It's good news. It's not something you should do. You know, you should stop doing this or start doing that. It's good news about what Jesus has done and that is available to you because of what he's done. So Christianity is the good news. And he says, so focus on that. Think about the, the way that the, the things will be in the, in the age to come. Think about the way that they are becoming right now because that new creation is breaking into our current age. So he says, what that exactly looks like, we don't know. It will be revealed when Jesus returns. When, when Christ who is your life is revealed, you will also be revealed with Him in glory. So then we'll all be able to see what we look like. But in the meantime, we, we accept by faith that we have become part of the new creation. So, how do we do the change part? So that's, that's the, that's the idea. And now He is very practical. He says, what does that actually look like in our lives? So He says, put to death the parts of your life that belong to the earth such as sexual immorality, moral corruption, lust, evil desire, and greed, which is idolatry. I learned this week that um, in ancient um, ethical writing, when people were telling you what to do or how to do it, when, when anyone was teaching somebody, that for whatever reason they used five examples. So we'll see that pattern in this, in this uh, reading here. Uh, Paul will use five examples. And the idea is that this is not a comprehensive list. So these are not the only things you should put away. He's already told us to put away the things that are from this earth, the things that are part of this present age. Put those away, whatever they are, and he gives examples such as sexual immorality and so forth, moral corruption, lust, evil, desire, and greed. And we might say, well, what do these things have in common? You know, how do we, you know, is there something we can say that, that characterizes them so we can understand why he lists them. And, uh, I think the, the clue is there at the end. He talks about greed, which is idolatry. And the, the idea here is what, it, what is idolatry? Idolatry is the idea that there is some part of the created order. There's something in this world that can give your life meaning and purpose and value that can give you happiness, that can give you contentment. And, and there are things that will do that for a minute or an hour or even a week. But but ultimately, to assume that you can live your life um, obtaining the meaning or the contentment in your life, the purpose in your life from the things of this world is idolatry. You are making that thing into an idol. Instead of believing, instead of understanding, really, that that ultimately nothing here on this earth can, can bury that weight. So the only place we can find ultimate meaning in and value is is in God. So, uh, if we think, well, if I have, if I get sex or or money or um, or alcohol or or drugs or or um, if I get my own way, um, if I get away with it, that that somehow that that will make my life better. That I will be a happy person. I will be content with life if I have those things. He says, put those away. Forget about those. Those are not the way to do this. Um, They're not part of the age to come. So he says, the wrath of God is coming upon disobedient people because of these things. What does he mean by that? The wrath of God is the point where God says, okay, have it your way. All right? Go for it. I'm not going to stop you. And at that point, you start accumulating the problems that accrue from these. These are not good things. And so Paul's saying, at some point, God will quit holding you up. He will say all right, come back to me when you're ready, and we can talk. But in the meantime, no. You're just going to have to figure this out yourself. So the wrath of God is coming upon disobedient people because of these things, but you're not them. He says, you used to live this way when you were alive to these things, but you're dead to these things now. You are a new creature. And it's it's worth remembering, you know, as we might think, well, Paul's just kind of painting this rosy picture. He's writing a letter to people who, basically are nodding and saying, that's true. I'm a different person than I used to be. And and we know that because they kept the letter and they made copies of it and they sent it around to their, their friends in other cities. The reason we have this letter is because people nodded and said, yeah, that's true. Paul's got that right. He says, you used to live this way when you were alive to these things. But he says... Now set aside these things, and here's another list of five. So anger, rage, malice, slander, and obscene language. So again, that's not the only things. Really, it's we've already heard it's everything that is uh, characteristic of this age. And instead of them, he says, um, don't lie to each other. Take off the old human nature with its practices, all of its practices, not just those five, and put on the new nature, which is renewed in knowledge, by conforming to the image of the one who created it. So he's got two images here at once, two metaphors. He's saying he's talking about taking off and putting on. Like I mentioned to the children, that's a the the word is typically used of clothing. He says take off those grubby, you know, duds and put on the fancy new outfit, right? Just dress up better, you know, take off that that ugly stuff and put on something else. Um so he says that but he also says This idea of being, um, conformed to the image of the one who created it. This is, this is the idea that, that we are being made like Christ. As the new creation breaks into this age, that we become more and more like Christ. That in this age, we are, we are square pegs designed for square holes. And we are to put away the square holes because in the age to come, we will be round pegs. That, 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 the things that the things that characterize this age won't be part of the age to come that we need to be prepared for that and he says we are becoming those round pegs that 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 we are becoming more and more like Christ we are conforming to the image of Christ so we are less and less a square peg and more and more a round peg so so um In this image, there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all things and in all people. So he says that um, that we don't know what that looks like. Some people say, well, that means I'm going to be, you know, I get to be an honorary white male. But that's not what Paul is saying. He's saying that when people look at you, that they will see Christ in you. You're going to go on being a Greek or a Jew or whatever you are. Um, but But it also means this um i mean and 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 in that they will still see Christ in you so so he's not saying you you become this other identity he's saying that you have a new identity that shows through your old identity and and the other thing about it is he's saying this is something that's available to everybody this is this is available not just to the people who've had a long relationship with god the, the Jews, but also to greeks it 's not just to, to people in the higher classes but to slaves as well he says it's not it 's not just civilized people but barbarians and then Scythians Scythians are the people that the barbarians call barbarians, so they 're like the ultra barbarians so he says, you know even the worst kind of people the the worst kind of people, they are part of this they you know, right now you look at them and say they're terrible people who do terrible things, but what you will see is Christ in them. You will see that they have become round pegs for the round holes of the age to come. So, he says, therefore, um, as God's choice, so God has already chosen you, you don't have to choose God, God's already chosen you, and um, he has made you holy um, in Christ, and you are loved, so so this is something that's an accomplished fact. This is good news. This is not, if you do this, then God will like you. He's saying you are already chosen. God has already um, proven his love for you. So he says, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So another one of those lists of five. You don't have to stop there. There's all kinds of things that would fall in that bucket. But but the, the idea here, be tolerant with each other, and if someone has a complaint against anyone, forgive each other. As the Lord forgave you, you must also forgive each other and over all these things put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So the, the picture here is how do you relate to other people? The parts of your life where you relate to other people, they, they change. Put aside the way that, that you used to relate to other people and now relate to other people this way. But he's not done. He says, he says, the peace of Christ must control your hearts, a peace into which you are called in one body and be thankful people. So he says, this is not necessarily the way you relate to other people. This is how you are in private. This is the inward self. You are a thankful person, or maybe you're not. Maybe you're a bitter person. And he says, be thankful. Be thankful and be at peace. Be at peace because God has already done everything that needed to be done, and because it was God who did it, you can be thankful. So he says, be at peace and be thankful. And he said, uh, the the Word of Christ must much live in you richly and the way he proposes to do that is to teach each other with all wisdom by singing psalms hymns and spiritual songs sing to God with gratitude in your hearts he says in the you know in the first century Paul is saying what we all know sometimes a song gets in your head and it won't leave you know the the earworm effect he says that that's a great way for the Word of God to dwell in you that this is all about the front part of your brain it's not you know, it's not your lizard brain or something. You don't have to convince your lizard brain of anything. It will, it will um, manifest that it is part of that new creation if you keep in mind that you are. So, so he says, whatever you do, whether in speech or action, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, and give thanks to God the Father through Him. He says, our role here as as people who are part of the new creation. Amidst the old creation, he says, our role is to make Jesus manifest, to reveal Christ in this world, the same way that when he returns, he will reveal us in him. So, so he says, do it, do whatever you do in the name of um, the Lord Jesus and give thanks to God the Father through him. So that is the big idea. The big idea is that the way we, we change Presumably, you don't want to change for the worse, right? I mean, maybe your New Year's resolution: I want to be a terrible person, right? But most of us, we have something in mind that we'd like to be—we'd like to be a better person. We'd like to have better relations. We maybe the people who ask about money, you know, they're thinking, "I want to get richer." But probably what they're really thinking—if they're, unless they're really impractical—what they're thinking is, "I want to use money better." Right? I'm not anticipating a gigantic raise from my boss. So I'm just going to have to get better myself at what I do with money. And so so if you think about it, all the things that, that people look for are ways of being better people, to be ultimately, to be conformed to the image of Christ, to be perfect people. So, so that's the way that Christianity approaches the question of change. How do we do it? We take off... What belongs to this age, and we put on what belongs to the age to come. And that is, that is fundamentally a mental act. And so we have to remind ourselves that this is something that is true, that we don't see it. What we will be is not yet revealed. It will be. I mean, you know, when Jesus returns, it will be clear, but it's not now. So we have to remind ourselves. And so, so we're going to explore this. What is that actually? uh, How do we do this practically? What, what does it mean to take off the old and put on the new? What does it mean to put to death all these things or, or to put on the, the, the kind of clothing that Paul is talking about? That's what we're going to be looking at over the next couple of weeks. Um, so the, the application this week has come back next week. But, but if you're, if you're eager to get started, let me just suggest this. So, so you probably have an idea whether or not something that you're dealing with is Christ like you you can probably picture and maybe not with perfection but you have a sense this would be the way Jesus would do this you know if i was if i was a good person if i was a a saint then i would act this way but i'm not so i don't and what paul says is is when that happens when when you're confronted with something and you say you know is is this is this basically something that's going to be part of the age to come you know is 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 what i'm you know, faced with right now, is that going to be part of the age to come? Or is it going to be, um, uh, is it going to finish along with this age? Is it going to be um, left behind in, in this age when the new age begins? And when you're confronted with that, with that uh, situation, let me encourage you to say exactly what Paul says. He says, um, you have died and your life is risen, risen hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed, you will also be revealed with him in glory. So when you're facing that situation, say, I have died, and my life is hidden with Christ in God. Just say that. I have died, and I and my life is hidden with Christ in God. Let's all say it together, just as practice. I have died, and my life is hidden with Christ in God. All right, I, I encourage you to try that. My own experience is that works a hundred percent of the time when I do it, and the problem is, as Paul has identified, is I don't always do it. So he says, "Do it. Think that. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly." Because it's easy to forget. But if you do it, if you if you remind yourself you are a new creation, I'm just curious how that works out for you. So so let me know if it, if this if this is not the best way. Please let me know because uh, I need to change my sermon for next week. But um, but that's been my experience: is that um, is that when I do it, it, it actually works. So Christianity says we can change; we can be the kind of people we wish we were. We can actually be like Christ. But the way we the way we get there is not by self denial. It's not by white knuckling our way through life. It's not by uh, by by psyching ourselves out with some kind of a um, you know pep talk about having willpower. It is by remembering what Christ has done to make us new people to be part of the new creation and in doing so to reveal Christ in this world until he returns and reveals what we are in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to remember that we have died and our life is hidden with Christ in you. We ask this in his name. Amen.